So welcome to the Adventures in Trade podcast, the podcast for the UK trade brought to you by Powered Now. Powered Now is an app and software for busy trade companies. Whether you're working alone or in a team, invoice, quote, and keep on top of your important jobs and paperwork with Powered Now. Now, we must be crazy because listeners to Adventures in Trade can get an extended trial of the software. And if you subscribe for a limited time, we're giving away a free Sum Up card reader. Yeah, free, so you can accept credit and debit cards on the job. To check your eligibility, head to powerednow.com forward slash adventure. That's powerednow.com forward slash adventure. So my guest in today's podcast is someone with an electrifying knowledge of his subject. Sorry, Paul, there's quite a few puns in this intro. <laughs> a bright spark in the motor industry and an all-round nice guy. Today, I'm talking to Paul Thorley from Solent Vehicle Consultants. We're chatting all things electric and why Paul thinks electric vans may just be the solution to saving a few pounds for your business. Something I think that we could all do with at the moment. Paul, welcome to Adventures in Trade. Right, Paul, let's get the introductions out of the way. So you run a company called Solent Vehicle Consulting, but you specialize predominantly in electric cars and vans. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. As a, a vehicle leasing broker, we based on the Isle of Wight, but cover the main of the country. So we can deliver vehicles anywhere. And two years ago, my wife and I, who runs the business with me, we took a decision to go electric vehicle only. And this is something that's interested me for a long time. So I've been involved in this about 2013. 14 before people even knew there was an electric car before Elon Musk did. Yeah. So let's, uh, I've, there are a few rules about the Adventures in Trade podcast, Paul. We don't talk politics. Okay. We don't talk about cyclists on the road. The last lap of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix last year. <laughs> or Elon Musk. He's, okay. That's cool. I need a buzzer. I need yeah. to hit the buzzer. Actually, we were just talking in the preamble when you mentioned that you used to work for Citroen. That was quite, what was that about? That sounded really interesting. Yeah, so back in the 90s, yeah, I went for Reg Vardy PLC, which is no longer and affiliated to Citroen UK. And I worked for those for four, four or five years and had, had a big impact on my life. And we watched where Citroen became a, a volume player in the market. And this was going back to where people were looking at importing cars from Europe. You mentioned that you were involved in selling cars online in the early days as well that that must have been quite groundbreaking really because i think even today there is a slight hesitancy for people to we're all used to buying stuff from amazon right we all buy stuff from tesco's direct and various people various companies like that but the idea of buying a car online even for me and i spend my life online seems quite dramatic doesn't it i I like i want to smell a car and i sit in it i want to drive it that must have been especially in those early days of the internet quite a exciting thing to be involved in it was so i think it's 97 or 98 i was the internet champion as it was called which is an interesting title whereas i was encouraging people to visit go online compare look at specifications of cars and that stage there through the main dealer network they could people could reserve or order a car that's evolved massively. So 2004, I opened my first business selling cars online to to companies and private individuals. And I have to say, Ben, so that's what, 18 years ago, which is scary to think, 18 years, I've been selling new cars and new vans uh, through the internet. And they're the stages where I still had a, a roll fax machine where fa- roll mm-hmm. fax orders used to come in. So let's think about a technology shift there. But so I've been doing that since 2004. So for me, it's really normal and in that time i've delivered 
thousands of cars and vans to to people like yourself, to businesses, to communities, to public sector, name it, I've, they've, they've been there. And that's through various, whether people's paid outright, whether it's people taking a finance product or a lease product or a higher product. It's always been evolving through trends. Yeah. And so for me, it's absolutely normal. And in today's day and day, it amazes me this, how many people never have never sat in or test driven the vehicle that they take. So take a car, for example, a new electric car that might be between 50 and 80, maybe a hundred thousand pounds. And people have viewed that on the manufacturer's website, built it on there, got the specification, the one, because the information is, is on, on your fingertips now. Yeah, And I, I have to say that's a lot more reliable than with respect to a trade, a human salesperson trying to sell a product that they want to sell. And you, the customer now often knows more than anybody else about what they're buying, which is a great thing. Yeah, that's in, that's really interesting, isn't it? I've been slightly led by my heart more than my head when you walk into a showroom and you start seeing things. We're actually, by doing it online, you can actually spend the time, do the research, look at the reviews properly. It's, that's interesting. But anyway, the point around this whole podcast is this Adventures in Trade, it is, it is a podcast for the trade. And... You mentioned that you've been selling a lot of electric cars on the roads. They are utterly ubiquitous. In fact, quite a lot of my friends are driving cars, which you've provided, Paul. In fact, I was nearly run over by a Polestar 2 yesterday morning on my morning walk. That snuck up nice and quietly behind me. Beautiful car, by the way. Yeah. I really like that. However, electric vans. So we work in the trade and I've got lots of questions about electric vans are they gaining in popularity? Are you selling more of them? Are you seeing more in the market? Just okay. what fans are out there as well. Yeah, you're always, you're going to get brutal honesty from me. And there's, there's good and bad things about everything. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's amazing. So there's positives and negatives. Vans is an interesting one. The electrification of vehicles has gone a long way from, we talk about, think about the car to a Citroen C0, which was a small little 40 car with a 70-mile range. You've got the Nissan Leaf, which everyone's seen. Yeah. And then this is pre-Tesla days. They have evolved massively from there. Vans is definitely behind that, even to this day. The market leader in a van is the Ford and the Transit Custom, and it's Ford's best-selling vehicle by a mile for great reasons. And that vehicle, that van is now being electrified. And when that comes out and is available, that will then transform, I believe, people's opinion on the electrification of a commercial vehicle, simply because it becomes more mainstream and it's a brand that people trust. Now, going back three years, I arrived on the Isle of Wight as a new person to the community and to the business community. And I, my very first vehicle that I sold on the Isle of Wight wasn't a car, it was an electric van. Or sorry, at least an electric van. And it was the Renault Kangoo ZE. ZE stands for zero emissions. That's since changed to ZTE, which is zero tailpipe emissions. It's two different things. And that was to a, a coffee roasting business on the Isle of Wight, which I'll not name. There's only two. So it was one <laughs> of them. And... That van, let me tell you that. So that van had a range of about 130 miles on a full charge in the summer. So an electric vehicle, uh, just to cut it on that, is obviously it's not actually powered by electric. It's a battery on underneath, basically underneath where you sit instead of a fuel tank, and that is charged. 100% by electricity. There's no other way of, of charging it. The battery will be generated by braking. But that's not a lot. It doesn't give you a lot. So it's predominantly 99% of the power is sourced by charging and plugging in. Now, 
in a winter in a winter month, like anything, like a human wakes up cold in the morning, you would never wake up and go for a, a sprint down the seafront from on a cold frosty morning because you would you, your body needs to warm up and the vehicle does too. So in the in the winter, the car needs more facilities, lights, more traction, which drains the, the power. In, in the winter months, this car, this van was doing 80 or 90 miles. Now, on consultation, this vehicle was absolutely perfect for this business because they had a charging point put in at their uh, roasting station, which was linked to solar panels. So they're getting free electricity because they've invested in the solar for their roasting uh, factory and they're using that to the advantage, which is great. Hmm. Marvellous, great tick story, great green tick done in many levels. That's great. And that's the perfect scenario. So the mileage for that was fine for anything from 80 to 100 miles. And it's still fine to this day. Now, that what our, that's what our class is, old technology in that battery, simply because the maximum range in that battery. Oh, uh, so that was a Renault van, wasn't it? Yeah, Renault Kangoo. Yeah. Renault Kangoo. Actually, are they, I think I've got a bit of a history of nearly being run over by electric vehicles. Because <laughs> I remember, <laughs> can you remember Ellen MacArthur, Isle of Wight's famous yes. sailor, sorry, Dame Ellen MacArthur, I really should... yes. She yeah, she nearly ran me over years ago in one of those by the floating bridge between East and West Cows. Seen those and they're quite speedy for small vans. Yeah, they are. They're a nippy van because the weight is much lower as well and the torque's high because it's instant power. But just going back to how electric vans evolved, as you're aware, on on an electric vehicle, car and passenger on a light commercial vehicle, there was a grant to encourage private individuals and businesses to take up there used to be a significant grant on this kangoo van and or vans of a certain size i forget what it was to be honest but i think let's say for argument's sake let's say it was six thousand pounds right just for example i can get the exact figure it's been that long ago so it was great so i could go to the i could go to this island roasting company so do you want to switch to an electric van this kangoo will do 120 miles on a charge and it's 150 pounds a month to lease it it was so easy to do so, that's, no, that's, that's surely that's just a no-brainer correct correct so you know everyone listening to this knows how much diesel costs and what that was saving him so when we did the with the cost the true cost analysis the switch from their diesel kangoo van to the electric kangoo van was not only ticked lots of boxes for them but it actually saved them lots of money to mm. do that now before to 2022 there is no grant available there and that has slowed down the uptake in electric vans and that's disappointing because really particularly the electric vans particularly with the the last mile delivery which is where the van goes into residential past schools past shops etc where and it's going into where people live rather than traveling up and down the motorway that was to me was the wrong decision and it's massively slow it literally switched the tap off for us because we were underwriting lots of business on the kangoo and then they bought this little renault zoe van out which was like a car derived van and there was two or three other electric vans so that's slowing down however back to your main question electric vans now have almost caught up with where their car brothers and sisters are in terms of the size of the battery they're putting in into a vehicle and where that battery will take you on a single charge. And I think you can get a van now with unladen with about two 220 miles on a full right. charge. So the catch-up is there. But then, that's, is that right for everybody? No. And you do that easily. Some businesses can do that. Some can't. 
Actually, that's that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you. I want to get onto cost in a moment because that's one of the big questions which lots of the Power Now users always have when we talk about electric vans. But let's par that for the moment. Let's just talk around some use cases. So I was chatting to a customer of ours recently, I got a chat called Steve. He's an emergency call-out plumber. That's all he does. He's buzzing around the M25, solving people's plumbing issues. He does 60,000 miles a year in his van. That's a, that's quite, That's a lot. Now that's cost a lot of money to run. Obviously, diesel you mentioned, but there's maintenance, there's general up. Would something would something which is on the market today work for someone like Steve if you're doing that type of mileage and you're in the van for that long? The purist would say yes, of course. The realist, including myself, would say probably not. If I was doing sixty thousand miles a year in a van, would I take one? No, I wouldn't take one myself, which is a shame because it's not quite there. So. There is a van, there's the Citroen Bolingo, the Vauxhall Vivaro, or the Peugeot Expert, which we've all heard of. Everyone yeah. listening to this has heard of them. And that'll do anything from 180 to 210 miles. Depends how you're driving it, depends what's in the van, depends what the weather is. And but when you run a business, you want reliability, you want to trust it, you want to be able to know that you can just do that. And and actually, to me, that doesn't work for your for Steve to do that. It, the only possible way it could work is if you had a charging point at home, which is easy done if you've got a drive. It's easy to do that. So you effectively, you've then got your own fuel station at home and you van charges when you're not using it, which is great. Or in your depot at work, if you've got an office with a car park and you can put a point in there too. And it's great because you just plug in, like mine is right now, you plug your vehicle in when you're not using it to make sure it's fully charged. So you could make it work there. Is it easy? Not really. And it might be that Steve has to go 60,000 miles a year is 1,000 miles, 1,200, 1,500 miles, I'd say, with holidays a week. So on a working day, that's 250, 300 miles. So he's going to need to charge that vehicle more than once a day. Yeah. And unless you've got a super rapid charger, uh, which are unaffordable for almost everybody because they're – let's say the £50,000 to put in and you need to then upgrade all sorts of city products, et cetera, to your... Yeah, and I guess if you're running a fleet, right? So if you've got a fleet of these things and they're all going out and you can afford, like your roasting company you were talking about before, if you can yeah. afford to put that infrastructure in, you know, I guess for the, I know the Royal Mail, for example, are going electric with lots of their vans. It makes sense for the Royal Mail, right? Because they're going to have, what, maybe 50 vans, the location they can put the rapid charger and they can do that but for our users power now customers they tend to be either one person companies or sometimes maybe up to 10 employees you just don't have that scale no. that's a shame and you mentioned the ford transit yeah. uh, which is coming out that isn't out yet is it that's on the way no it's not right. out yet but say so that's the market leader of brand of van the transit custom um, yeah and, and will that extend the range will that give our customers a bit of hope that actually they can go electric if they're doing large miles, or is that still slightly behind the curve? No, it's still slightly behind. And I mean, that they launched that product late September. So it's a, got a promised range of up to 236 miles. Now that 236 miles doesn't take into consideration your driver is late for a job. So they're, they're putting the accelerator down. It might be raining. They might have quite a bit of weight in the back to do that. So that all lowers the range. Again, that that 236 miles approximate range is perfect for some businesses if you have the facility to charge either at work or at home. Yep. That's massively workable. If you're doing 60,000 miles 
a year, or if you're a courier or anything like that, that's just that's not every product is suitable for everybody. And right now, there wouldn't be a solution where I would be confident to say, yes, you can run your business and it will be really smooth and easy for you. And you'll not have any regrets by doing this. I couldn't sit here and say that. I feel a bit mean, actually, because I, I, I chose Steve as the most extreme version. of. The, I've spoken to about five or six customers before yeah. this podcast, and he was the most extreme version doing his 60,000 miles. The truth is, that's an, he's an outlier, right? Most yeah. of our customers will be working in a local area. They'll be going... It's lots of it's a mixture of B to B and B to C work. Yeah, the vans will be heavy and laden, but they're going to be doing, you know, maybe thirty half that thirty thousand, maybe twenty thousand miles a year. And so the, the question is, what point mileage wise do you think it becomes appropriate to use electric? So we have a lot of talking about going back to cars. We have a lot of company car fleets that do between nineteen and twenty two thousand miles on average per year. They've set up to manage that properly. So there's the infrastructure of public charging, which is something I just just switch to there. So public charging is effectively like a good old fashioned petrol station where you go you pull in and you fill up you fuel up your car. The fuel up on these cars is effectively electricity into this battery storage. So that's that's how they do that and they do take longer to charge than obviously putting liquid fuel into a car now i live in the isle of white my wife's family live in derbyshire it's a once in a month or once every two months trip 450 mile round, and we have to stop and we have to stop for many reasons one we have children in the vehicle and they, they need to stop for their own reasons and for, so do we and sometimes from a tiredness a fatigue safety etc but obviously to, we also have to stop to refuel the car en route and every time we go up there we've noticed more and more public charging um and do that and once you get into a public charging scenario there's different wattages of there and as an example your van, so the electric vehicle has two big elements. One is how big is your battery, as in how big is your fuel tank? And the second far is how many miles could that car or van potentially do on that battery? But thirdly, and very important than this, is how quickly can that vehicle recharge itself or charge itself back up? Because you can have a vehicle that could do 300 miles in the charge. You can have an 80 kilowatt battery, which is a big battery, but if it hasn't got a rapid charge facility built into the vehicle, then it will take a lot longer to charge. Talking about technology in vans, almost all the vans now are coming through with that rapid vehicle charging technology, which means that you can charge up to 80% of the battery in 20 So the time it takes you to drink a coffee. Correct. Um, yeah, that, or, that, yeah. That's charged. Or, so to all the all the suppliers out there who might be listening to the Adventures in Trade podcast, the next big marketing opportunity for you is to put rapid charging at your depots. So Absolutely. rather than nipping to the one around the corner, they will drive the trade will drive further because they can charge whilst they're picking yep. up supplies. And most of the time, these if you're really good in the trade, there's probably a good place to get a bacon sandwich next to that as well. Correct. So, yeah. So yeah. But there, there are, so the main installers of nationwide, uh, the big corporate installers of rapid charging areas are activists seeking land where they can do that, whether they'll do a rental agreement with the landowner or they'll go in and put the charges in, do a profit share, et cetera. So yeah, the, the, that is there and that's easily to find. So if you have a spare bit of land and you want to and it's within a mile of a major road major motorway for example or 
uh, something like that. They, they are absolutely active and seeking that. And yeah. One of the one of the things about talking about public charging is you normally traditionally go up the motorway. You go on the so our journey is M twenty seven, A thirty four, M forty. And you stop at your service station, your normal one, you put some fuel in. It's a bit more expensive because it's convenient. And you go and have go to the loo and maybe in the shop, maybe a KFC or something. We've all been there. Now, these charging depot stations have popped up all over the place. And my go-to when I'm going north is on the M40. It's in Banbury. And it's at a car park. And there's 16 super rapid chargers, I think, there now, which is growing each time. I know I can always charge there. So I go there. It's about... Half a mile off the motorway, there's a Costa there just being built. There's a premier inn with a bar and there's a steakhouse there. So not only when we're there is the food and drink better if we want to go there, it's also cheaper. Yeah. And I and it's the convenience. So we're coming off the main motorway network, service stations, which is traditionally expensive for absolutely everything and enjoying a different experience. McDonald's, for example, have a partnership with a with Insta who are very reliable with the rapid charges. So we can pull up, plug in go in for cheap coffee or whatever, just sit down or whatever, or just chill. Hey, Paul, you sold it to me when you mentioned you can charge your van and get a steak. That that for, that, yeah, sounds, can, yeah, that, yeah. that sounds amazing. It's interesting. It, it just change, changes that concept of travel. That actually, if you're if you're always factoring in a stop, or if you're factoring in a, a diversion to do something and charge at the same time, that just makes life a bit more more pleasurable perhaps than just razzing it around the m25 filling up full of gas and it's interesting with the trade because they have they're all over the place right they are nipping to suppliers they're going to customers they're doing things but sticking in maybe a 20 minute break to get a coffee and charge a van sounds quite appealing i think to probably quite a lot of our yeah, customers you just because it's so new so for, ever since everyone listening to this has been able to drive they've gone to a fuel station yeah. every time and it's just a, a new a new way of doing things and I don't know obviously me and you are old enough to know this Ben but I guess you know before mobile phones came out and we all had to go and run if we wanted to make a call go to a phone box and have change as well so we had to have change to put coins in a phone box and it was what we always used to do yeah um, yeah and- you flatter me I do remember those days of <laughs> so having to do that but okay oh, look, yeah. I, I want to ask I'm gonna ask one more big question about electric yeah. vans and it, I guess it's the elephant in the room and it's the price because when again whenever we talk to pound now customers and they're either buying one or they're t- thinking about getting a van or actually with anything any pro anything for their business small business owners are very cost conscious right and electric vehicles and vans just seem to be I don't know, what, 30% more expensive than their combustion counterparts. Yeah. Are they, you touched on this with the grants, which is no longer available anymore, which is a real shame. But are these things affordable for the average small trade business? Or is it well, going, are they still slight, are they out of reach? Because it price just seems, you know, costs a lot, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of focus on list price, cars and vans, and yes, they are more money. What we look at as consultancy basis, like any professional trade would do, we consult and do a true cost analysis per vehicle, per scenario. Maybe and we specialize in leasing vans because a van is one of the single most depreciating products that you could go and get money and put into. And not many people go and spend anything from twenty to fifty thousand pounds on a depreciating asset if they run a business. And if they do, they probably won't be running it very long. We've talked about a lease in a van because it's obviously, it's, it's just a business cost like a mobile phone, like a computer. So it becomes a fixed cost of the business, which you can just obviously offset against your, your profits as well, uh, as your taxable profits or your operation tax. Do that. So we then look at, right, so let's say we're leasing a diesel Bolingo and it's £300 a month and the electric one's £400 a month. Yeah, it's more expensive as £100, but 
how do you quantify that hundred pounds? Um, one of the things, first thing as well, we should not even touched on about electric vehicles is they are so nice to drive. They are smooth. They don't rattle. They don't smell. You haven't got to worry about changing the gear. It's literally like an adult go-kart where you literally go and put in and it's it's drive and stop front and forward and back. It's great. So they are much smoother. The experience is quieter. It's less fatigue when you're driving them. And that's based on years of driving one myself in comparison and specifically on commercial vehicle on feedback from our own customers who's made that switch from a, a diesel to Citroen Dispatch, for example, to the electric version, how much more responsive, how much smoother it is and how better to drive. So you've got that 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 to factor in. You've then got fuel costs. No, it's nowhere secret how much fuel is. So then that goes on the cost analysis. So we have to look at actually, is this right for the customer? We're talking £100 a month more, just as an example. So we're looking at £22, £23 a week. Will that save the customer 22 Yeah, I think that's a uh, that's an underestimate, actually. So then we look at maintenance. How much is a van to maintain? How much is you, do you currently spend on tyres, on oil changes, on fatigue of the vehicle, the engine, the exhaust, etc. Like vehicle maintenance on a commercial vehicle, electric commercial vehicle, is on every occasion significantly cheaper than their ICE counterpart. So we factor that in as well, because again, something people say, oh, it's oh, it's £300 a month, I'll take that, but they don't look at, oh, how much is it to service? How long will the tyres last me? Why much are tyres, etc. Yeah. So we factor all that into there. And case by case scenario, it's very rare that once we do a true case, true, a case study on cost is actually that. We then throw in, ULEZ, ultra low emission zones around the country, which are everyone's best friend. And they are coming more and more as green air zone, clean air zone. Portsmouth's just got one and Bath's just got one. Bristol's going there. Manchester, they are coming. And obviously London is the, the pinnacle. So they've got a uh, low emission zone. They've got ultra low emission zone. So, you know, are you going in a, a low emission zone? Do you have to pay £5, £6, £12 a day to go in the congestion zone, pay a congestion charge, etc.? Again, looking at the the, the the case study for each individual one. And that's important to get it right, whether you've got one van or 100 vans. It's important to get it right for each one. That's really interesting, actually. Just going back, that, that's a great point about the emission zones. And actually, a lot of our customers are in cities and will have to pay that all the time. So they'll be only too aware of that fact. But your point around the drivability and the experience of driving an electric van is interesting because I hadn't really thought of that. It's not... We look at just because they look the same and they have four wheels. These are really different products, aren't they? This is, yeah. it's not, I'm not, I'm comparing maybe Apple's repairs to just look at the price. I hadn't really thought about that. Okay, then Paul, I'm also, I want to get your opinion on, on let's just go forward to 2030. So 2030, the combustion engine is going to be banned in the UK. That's for vans and cars. We're, we've been talking about electric cars and electric vans predominantly on this podcast, but actually there's some other alternatives as well. I'm quite interested in that. So a lot has been spoken about hydrogen mm-hmm. and that always seems to be the, the thing which people who are really anti-electric vans and cars use that it's not the answer. Hydrogen is the answer. I, I follow Toyota's progress quite closely. There are also other developments such as direct ethanol fuel cells, DEFC stuff, which is about biofuel. Do you think any of these alternatives be ready by the time that combustion engines are banned? I'm so, guessing not yeah. actually, based on your comments about the state of the actual van market today, but I'm interested yeah. in your view. Took on hydrogen. So I'm waiting for hydrogen is the go-to comment from so many people, particularly when it comes to cars. Hydrogen is the future. Now, 
in my humble little role, what I do and the, the, the team we run here and what we look at. I've driven a hydrogen car. I've driven the Toyota hydrogen car. I've driven it around uh, Millbrook Premium Ground, so the official test tracks for the UK market uh, vehicle marketplace. And it drove dreadful. And there's probably a reason why Shell's now closed all their hydrogen stations and nobody's making a hydrogen car. So I'm not in that decision-making groups, thankfully, worldwide. So there's obviously been some sort of studies around the world where they've said we're either going to go this way or that way, and the world's chosen electric. And I'm sure there's scientific reasons behind that. And there's obviously all sorts of conspiracy theories about that, about this, that, and the other. And it's worth noting at this point, nothing is made perfectly. So there's always journeys to get a product to the to your doorstep, where, which could be better. Knowing what I know and the money by manufacturers and the governments around the world and other things, the investment is in electric and battery electric technology. And, and that's got a massive future because where we sit today, you go back 10 years and what an electric car looked like, if you got 80 miles out of one, you'd throw a street party. And that's massively changed. There was three or four to pick from mainstream, which you could, which almost everyone could name. And now that's massively developed. And as that battery technology changes, we talk about recyclable batteries. We possibly talk about interchangeable batteries. And as I touched on earlier, how quickly can that battery charge? Yeah. Massively important. I would rather see, from the battery side of it, I'd rather see, actually, we don't need 90 kilowatts of batteries. Let's make a smaller battery. Let's make it so it'll do 200 miles, but let's make it so it could charge in five minutes, rather than, oh, it's oh, oh this will do 400 miles. Like a Mercedes car can do 450 miles on one charge. Do we need that? No. We need more charging and more and rapidly. So that's that. I think hydrogen has a massive part to play in vehicle. And specifically with larger vehicles, so HGV yeah. for sure, and possibly very like Luton vans, the really heavy vans. I can't see hydrogen coming into to PLG vehicles by 2030, if at all. I think if that was going to happen, that would have already happened. Okay. Um, so, so those people who are listening to this podcast thinking, I'm just on the fence, I'm going to run my old diesel van into the ground until hydrogen turns yeah. up. That's just wishful thinking, right? Uh, in my opinion, yes. So again, what we've got is another fuel duty rise coming up in April, which is which was hidden, autumn statement, but it's there. And that's not gonna that's not gonna change, I don't think, as we get towards twenty thirty and road tax, road fund license. The persuasion is gonna be in a different way, I would imagine, for to in, in, an encouragement for businesses to switch and individuals into a different thing. But electric vehicles aren't gonna save the world, let's be honest. There are and they're not seeing so there's people who drive electric vehicle, I think they're doing this amazing, wonderful thing for, for the whole world. It's a good start and it's a good product to take. You can lower your local carbon footprint. You can lower your local emissions. So I'd rather see 30 cars dropping kids off at school that are electric with no emissions than 34 by 4 Ford Rangers sitting there, for example. So electric vehicles aren't the saviour of the planet, but they form part of a change which needs to happen. But if there can be other forms of transport, buses, etc., that can benefit from a lower emission product. But I can see uh, electric vehicles in, in small vans and in cars making a big emissions difference. Yeah, would... yeah, yeah. And I guess it's about the equation, right? If it's better, it's a nicer experience. If it will do more than the thing you're replacing... And the byproduct of doing all of that is actually it's greener and it doesn't pollute the earth. And actually you can contribute a little bit. Why wouldn't you do that? That's, that sure. is just, it's, it's a no brainer There's, I'm conscious 
that well, we could talk for this for a long time. I could, mm-hmm. We haven't even got on to my favorite subject, which is Formula One. I wanted to quiz you about Formula One and okay. those insanely e- efficient 1.6 engines. And perhaps there's some lessons there, but we're not going to get there. You think about the corporate image of your business, of sustainability and looking after your local environment and bes- be seen to be doing the right thing it is a thing just single-use plastics are massively a thing if i went to a coffee shop and got a takeaway coffee and i was served it in a polystyrene cup now i'd be like what is this yeah that that is something to factor in about the message that they can give the customers it shows they that you care about the future as well as now and what i'd say is this ben just on that if if you can have if you were driving a citroen dispatch van or a citroen bullingo van and you're doing between 10 and 50, 10 and 20,000 miles a year. If you could have that, switch that to a brand new electric one and it wouldn't cost you any more money and it was doable, would you switch? Would you make that switch? I think that's the question. Yeah, again, it's just about that equation, isn't it? There are there are quite a lot of things which you can do, though, can't you, to encourage electric vehicles. We have, if you're a director of a limited company, I believe there's an opportunity to do some salary sacrifice. So you don't just have to go down the traditional lease route and actually lots of our customers will fall into that camp so can you just quickly explain what that is and what the benefit is yeah that's more for a car so if you're a director of a business on poie uh, or you you have employees on poie and they're looking for an electric car or if you're a company car driver so on a on a van van or a diesel van the rate's the same so if you, if you take a company vehicle you're still going to get your tax taxable allowance taken off you for that despite it being electric it's still the fixed amount per year is that going to change do you think Big you can never, take a breath you can never guess with that with the people running the country i guess so no is probably the answer for that governments in the past have made massive mistakes when it comes to taxation of Things think about the double cab pickup vans, which people took instead of cars because they were five hundred pound a year company car tax. Is just oh yes, and you had to weld up the windows and the yeah yeah yeah. I remember that. That was insane. Yeah, insane. Anyway, but so for if you are looking at a company car and you think company cars are too expensive because we get taxed too much, the tax on an electric vehicle company car until twenty twenty five is just two percent of benefit in kind. When you compare that to a petrol or diesel car at 30 to 40 percent it's a huge difference and so that goes for the same for your if you've got a company car driver or you've got an employee we can do a salary sacrifice schemes which are easy to find that's an amazing tax benefit taxable benefit to to make it so you or your employee can make a switch into an electric vehicle much more affordable in fact on almost every occasion more affordable than going to get a personal lease in a petrol or electric a petrol or a diesel car every single time okay. okay every single time and that's just a great thing another conversation maybe for another event and i'm happy to have a chat with anybody who wants to just find out about that because that's a great thing to, to be able to offer your employees or for yourselves as a treat yeah brilliant paul i've got to say we've covered a hell of a lot of ground way yeah. more than i thought we would it's been really interesting i think my takeaway from chatting to you is actually if you're a small trade company you're doing limited miles and limited area actually take a look at electric because that sounds like it could totally work for you i loved your example of the coffee roasting company and that was a long time ago right so things have only improved since then but the elephant of the room is actually if you're doing large distances or you have large loads in the van maybe it's not quite there for you no it's not yet yet. but watch the space things have moved quickly 
Correct. Yeah. yeah. So brilliant. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Let's let's do a quick plug for you. Where can people find Silent Vehicle Consulting? So our web address is vehicleconsultantsailant.com. I'm prominent on LinkedIn. Just type my name, you'll find me. And we are consultants in what we do. So we're not clicking by. Uh, we're not clicking thing. We make sure that the vehicle is right every time for the user and the chooser uh, for that. Brilliant. And we make sure those URLs are in the show notes for this as well and on the website as well. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining me on Adventures in Trade. It's been a real delight, a real eye-opener as well, actually. I've certainly learned a lot, and I thought I knew a lot about electric cars and vans. So that was brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. So thank you for listening to this episode of Adventures in Trade. As a reminder, Adventures in Trade is the podcast from Powered Now. We're giving away a free sum up card reader at the moment for anyone that listens to Adventures in Trade. Just head along to powerednow.com forward slash adventure. That's powerednow.com forward slash adventure. And I catch you on the next episode.